really miss church. <laughs> and we almost didn't have this live streaming service at church today. Um, Pastor Kim, Brian, and I were fully ready, prepared to have this service um, at home, at, at Brian's home, my home, and Pastor Kim's house. And um, I got a, a message from the conference last night, Friday night, um, saying that, okay, um, the conference um, lawyer and the conference officers were emailing, calling different officers, um, the legal personnel to figure things out so that churches can have live stream from church. Um, so we're, I'm really, really happy. You, you, you don't know how happy I am <laughs> to be able to come here at church and at least have this service here. Um, otherwise, it would have been Joshua, welcome. Joshua, praise. <laughs> Joshua doing announcement. Joshua doing prayer. Joshua doing everything, which is not fun at all. So I'm really grateful for this opportunity that we can still have this. And thanks to our, our church people and also the conference personnel who made this possible so we could have live stream here at church. And also that the few that are sitting here uh, that, are, that are attending here today. And that actually um, this week, just, just for the fact that we couldn't have this church um, here, and we had to do live streaming at home, that really discouraged me. And even, um, I was getting depressed actually. <laughs> I lost appetite and I didn't know what to do. It was very tough. And um, that got me thinking. And I really, really wanted to have church. And I mean, I know you are live streaming from, from your home, but can you raise your hand if you want to come to church and have, have worship with everyone <laughs> and fellowship, right? <laughs> I can't see you, those who are seeing me from live stream, but I'm sure you have your hands raised. And that gave me a little taste of what it would be like to be in places where they have no freedom of worship, like underground churches, like in North Korea, in Cuba, in China, and other places where they can't have freedom of worship, gave me a little taste of what it would be like and how much they would love to come to church and have worship. That would have been really great. And, um, and I really wish that the day that all of us can get together without any fear and, and worry about, about the viruses and all this social distancing and restrictions, if we can get away with all of that and come together as one church family, that would be great. And I pray that that, they will, that day will come soon. And um, I didn't really realize how, how, what kind of privilege that is that we can get together as one family and, and, and worship together as one body. One week, one week. That took only one week. Thursday last week, I had no, we had no clue that all this would happen. Thursday evening last week, that's when all this happened. Because until that time, we're thinking, you know, we still have potluck going on. We still have church going on. And we were thinking, should we have potluck? Should we not? That's what they were thinking, what we were thinking. Not about this worship at all. We were going to have worship. But it took just one week to change everything, just everything. So it took that one week. And when you think about it, 
Um, yes, we are going through that difficult time. But, but um, people are afraid, panic buying, hoarding, judgmental look, the stairs. If you go to stores, they, they look at you as if like you are disease-carrying bug, insect. That's what, what, what it looks like. That's the kind of, kind of stairs people give you. Um, but we can still find that we can be thankful for. Um, last Thursday last week, my computer had a problem. So uh, I, I took it to Apple Store, local Apple Store here in uh, North County, uh, Westville. Um, I went and dropped off my computer. And they said, oh, it will take 48 to 72 hours to repair it. I'm like, OK, fine. Um, but then I, I waited. I dropped it off Thursday afternoon, Thursday morning. Then they called me that Friday, the next day. So instead of 48 to 72 hours, 24 hours later, they called me. Hey, your computer is ready. Please come pick it up. So I went, and I picked up my computer. Then I found out the next day that all Apple stores are closed indefinitely until further notice. They're open online, but they're all closed offline. So if I didn't pick up that computer, that Friday afternoon, guess what would have happened? I wouldn't have my computer for a month <laughs> or two months. If I don't have my computer, uh, I mean, I can survive, but it's just, just difficult. <laughs> Life is that much more difficult because I prepare my sermons on my computer, Bible studies, uh, everything. My life is in my computer, pretty much. I backed up everything I could, but still, it's not the same. So. I really, really thank God that they finished their work much sooner than that they said they would, and I was able to get my computer. And that we have this technology of live stream and the people that are here and our church family. I want to thank God for that, uh, for this difficult time. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 1 through 4. And the Bible reads, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. This is a very famous Bible text where everybody knows, heard, heard many times. But I want to focus on this one phrase. It says, with one accord, which is my sermon title today, with one accord. How was it possible for the disciples to be in one accord? Were they in one accord just days or weeks before that time? Just a little bit before Jesus' death, what were they talking? What were they going through? Remember the time that Jesus took three disciples up into the mountain and they were praying? And when, when they came down, they, they had the encounter of um, Elijah and Moses. When they came down, what were the disciples doing there? The rest of the disciples, nine of them. They were all arguing, fighting. 
And a father brought a demon-possessed boy. Like, please, can you please heal him? Drive out demons from him. Were they able to drive out demons before? I mean, for him, for the boy? No, they could not. They could not. Have they done this before? Yes. Yes, they have. They went out when Jesus sent them out two by two. They were able to drive demons out and, and heal the sick. That's what they were able to do before. But when at this time, they were not able to do that because why? They were arguing. They were fighting. Why did Jesus take only three up there and not me? And they had this jealousy in their heart. Because of the jealousy, they could not pray and they could not drive out demons. What about in Luke chapter, that was in Mark 9, but Luke chapter 22, they were always arguing, who is the greatest? Who is the, who is the, the greatest? And who, like, I'm better than you. Because of this, I, I'm better than you. They had this spirit of fighting all the time. And John 13, they refused to wash each other's feet. And Jesus had to bring towels and wash disciples' feet. Remember that time? Yeah, that, right at the, um, the, the time of the, um, the Last Supper. So all of this is the evidence of the disciples fighting that, you know, they were not in one accord. They were all jealous. They were all fighting. They were thinking, I'm better than you. I should take the higher position than you. That's what they were thinking. But soon after, the Bible says in, in, in the scripture reading that we just read, they were in one accord, with one accord. That's what the Bible says. How is this possible? Because they just went through the agonies of crucifixion. We want to focus, we want to talk about this, this one weekend, one weekend of the time frame of the life of the disciples and Jesus, where everything changed in just a moment of time, just in about a day or two, which we are going through right now. In just one week, everything changed. Overnight, everything changed. Who knew that toilet papers will be so difficult to find like that, right? <laughs> but that's exactly what is happening. So imagine with me what the disciples went through during that Passover weekend. So that Thursday, all the disciples are still fighting. Who is the greatest? Who is the biggest? And they come to this great festival. It's like Thanksgiving time. Everybody comes together. People travel from far. And they come to Jerusalem because it's Passover time. And they're ready to celebrate with their friends and their family. And they get together. And all the disciples also got together in that upper room. And they wanted to celebrate this time. They're thinking, they're imagining, you know what? Maybe this is a time that Jesus will take over the throne and will become the greatest nation of all. And it, it, maybe it's a time that he, they will drive out all the Romans and they become now like he, he shows himself as the Messiah and, and they would be that great nation. They all wanted to be. That great expectation is in their heart. That's Thursday. Thursday evening, they're still fighting. I don't want to wash your feet. Your feet are dirty and I'm higher than you so that you should wash my feet, not, not me washing your feet. That's what, they're, that's what they were doing. And that evening, Jesus teaches them the lesson of, of humiliation, right? And he washes their feet. After that, what happens? After the meal. So they have a great time. 
They were talking, they were eating, they had a great time, like a regular time. After that, they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane and they pray. And what happens? The soldiers come. And Judas comes. And with the kiss of betrayal, and Jesus is caught. And he's captured. And when he's captured, they were trying to fight at first. You know, Peter trying to take out the sword and trying to kill someone. And that wasn't successful, and they all ran off. The Bible says they all ran off. That night, Jesus went into trial, and he goes to Pilate, Herod, back and forth, back and forth, and then all night, he's in trial. He goes to trial. While that's going on, what's happening to the disciples? They ran off. They came back. Peter came back. And you know the story of Peter denying Jesus three times, and, the, and um, that's what happens. When, and then Friday morning, when does Jesus get the death sentence, and when is he hung on the cross? At what time? On what day? Friday. So if you think about it, the night before, Thursday night, is the time they had the Last Supper. It's the time that they, Jesus washed their feet. Within 12 hours, he, is, he receives the death penalty, death sentence, and he's on the cross. So just overnight, everything got shifted. Think about the things that the disciples are going through. They were just thinking about, you know, I'm going to be sitting next to Jesus when he becomes king. I'll be, the, I'll be his right-hand man. No, I'll be his left-hand man. I'll, be, I'll take this position. That's what they were thinking just 12 hours prior. And that Friday morning, he's on the cross. And when did he die? At what time of, of Friday? 3 p.m. He passed away. So 9 a.m., he's on the cross. He got, hung, he, he got crucified on the cross. And 3 p.m., he passed away. So if you think about all of this, this happened so quickly, so rapidly. You can't wrap your mind around this thinking, like overnight this happened, but that's what happened. If you can think of one Sabbath that was the darkest, gloomiest, the longest, the scariest Sabbath, for all the disciples, which Sabbath do you think that would be? That very Sabbath. The Sabbath after Jesus' death. We know Jesus is resting in the tomb. He, he's, he's dead. He doesn't know anything. He's, he's resting. But the 11 disciples, what's going through their mind? They were so scared, they locked all the doors. And they were thinking, what do we do? What do we do now? They couldn't even think. Right? That's what they were doing. So put yourself in their shoes and try to think of what they are trying to do. They were thinking, you know what? So three and a half years, I've been following Jesus. Yes, I've experienced some great things. I saw him performing miracles. And I got to participate or eat the miracle bread that he made. 
I witnessed a lot of amazing things that I've never seen before. I heard a lot of good preachings that he has done. And I also got to participate in, in healing or miracle. I performed some miracles in Jesus' name. Yes, I've done that. And that was great. But now, what do I do now? I, my life may be in jeopardy. I may be killed. How about, what about my family? Because all these people, they kill Jesus. They may want to kill me too. So what should I do? That's what they were thinking. That's what they were going through. And as disciples were thinking about all those things, time went by so fast, they were, they were confused, they were scared, and they were terrified. That's what they were going through. What is happening in our society right now. What have you gone through this week? As I said, I was getting depressed. I couldn't eat. I, I lost my appetite. <laughs> but do you think the disciples lost their appetite that Sabbath? Do you think they enjoyed their potluck that day? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. That's what they were going through. I, uh, just such a difficult time. And my wife and I and my children, we decided this week that we should spend our time in moral Bible study, moral prayer. So uh, my kids, who have been asking more questions about, okay, so dad, what about what, what's going to happen? And what about all this? And I realized that my kids have a lot of questions from the books of Daniel and Revelation. So we decided to spend more time in studying Revelation and Daniel. During this spring break, I mean, this week they had a lot of homework. Like they, they had their conference and they had to submit their homework every day and so on. But this week is their spring break, so they don't have a lot of work. So I'm, I'm bringing a lot of books for, from my library here at my office and we'll be studying um, Daniel Revelation so that they have more understanding and I have better understanding about that. So that's what we try to do. And I encourage you to do the same. Spend more time in your, in your devotional life and, and reading the Bible and prayer, and especially the last day events, so that we, we, we are prepared for what's coming and what's ahead of us. And that Passover time, and then crucifixion, and Sunday morning, early morning, when Jesus rose from the dead. What happened to the disciples? When the woman went and witnessed the empty tomb, when they ran back to the disciples, we saw, well, we saw the empty tomb. We didn't see Jesus. <laughs> and they were, I mean, screaming, yelling, like, with excitement, with joy. The disciples were like, no, 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 that's not possible. They all ran, and they saw an empty tomb too. And when that happened, that changed everything. That changed everything. The, the glory of resurrection when Jesus rose on that Sunday morning, that, that was the offering of the wave sheep of, the bar, of barley, typifying himself as the first fruits. So he rose like he's like right on time, right? That's what he did. So the fear, the terror, the confusion, the, the panic that the disciples had all washed away with just one event of him resurrecting. That's what happened. Just one event. 
changed everything. So friends, yes, we are going through this difficult time. And we are hoping and praying that something, the hope that, we, that God has given us, will give us that hope. In John 11, 25, 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by, by uh, believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's what the Bible says. The resurrection that gave hope to disciples is still our hope. Does that still give us hope today, friends? Yes, it does. The resurrection of Jesus still gives us hope, still gives us the hope of heaven and salvation. And the event of ascension. ascension. So after Jesus resurrected on that Sunday, how many days after did Jesus go back to heaven? So Passover is a time that he died. And on the day of, of um, the first fruit, he rose back on that Sunday morning. And 40 days after is the time that he went up to heaven. So Jesus appeared to the disciples a few times here and there, you know, like the story of Thomas, story of the disciples, and, and so on, a few times. And on the 40th day, he had all the 11 disciples, and he went up. To heaven and we know the story of the two angels coming to the disciples and said why stand here gazing up into the sky the same jesus that you have seen going up to heaven will come back in the same manner that, right that's the story that we know and then after that after the ascension so on the day of ascension disciples do you think they were scared that jesus was leaving like going away from them or do you think they were filled with hope and commission and the mission mindset that they will go out and, and spread the gospel. Were they scared that you just left? Or were they filled with hope? Yes, they were filled with hope. That's what we are reading here in Acts chapter 2. The, from the moment of they were fighting, arguing who is the greatest, and they were not willing to wash each other's hand, it only took a few weeks, like 40 days. Actually, over that weekend, their despair and their fear changed into hope and 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 hope and just excitement over the weekend but that built up to the point where Jesus went up to heaven and if you read on um, in Acts chapter 1 that's exactly what they do they pray they pray in one accord and when they prayed and now we know in Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit falls the Pentecost that happened, so 10 days after the ascension of Jesus is Pentecost, so 50 days from the time of Passover, 50 days. So it says, what do you think the disciples did during that 10 days while Jesus had left, he had gone to heaven? The 10 days, were they also scared like before? They locked themselves up and they were scared of their lives? Is that what they were doing for 10 days? A state Bible commentary gives this comment. The 10 days of expectancy had been 10 days of earnest prayer. Now they know Jesus has risen. And now, understand, now they understand the whole story of three and a half years, whole life of their, their being, the whole history of humanity. 
they see that from a different light. Everything changed. The perspective is different now. Everything changed after the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the 10 days was the 10 days of prayer. Friends, what does that tell us? When we go through this time of, of difficult time, this crazy time, time of, of, of fear and time of death, uh, uh, terrible news going around, thousands of people dying, getting infected, and this restriction and um, fear of unknown. As we go through this time, are we supposed to lock ourselves in and just be afraid of what's going to happen? Or should we take this time in prayer, just like the disciples did. We should pray. We know what's coming. We know what's coming ahead of us. And we should prepare ourselves. And we should be ready for his second coming. That's what we should do. You know, close of probation is coming really fast. And do you hear the footsteps of Jesus coming? Yeah, I mean, we can almost sense it, right? So as we realize what's happening, instead of getting scared, you know what, I'm not prepared, I'm not ready, what should we do? We should pray, repent, and study the word of God so that we can be prepared for his coming. While Jesus is in the most holy place, still, still uh, pleading for our sins, we should repent ourselves so that we should be transformed, we should be ready for his coming. That's what we should do. Just like the disciples spending 10 days of prayer, that's what we should do at this time. God is still extending our time so that we can still pray to God. We can still have worship. We can still have this time of grace. But if we go back and say, you know what, that's okay. Everything will be fine. And if we still go back to our, our life of laziness, our life of indulgence, of sin, then who knows, it may be too late. While the Holy Spirit is still calling upon us, it is time for us to repent and go back to God. There's a video that I want to share with you. This is titled, Coronavirus, Is Britain Ready? by Channel 4 News. And there's a short clip. I, I, I'm not making any political statement or I'm not making any judgments here. But I want you to look at it from the spiritual point of view. I'll sh I'll sh let's share this video first. We've tracked how two Chinese tourists created a cluster of new patients in Singapore. And these daily contacts can happen anywhere. A guided tour takes them to a jewelry shop. They talk to a few staff and sample medical oils. A saleswoman is infected, later her cleaner as well. Then a second saleswoman, her husband, and their six-month-old son. Then the tour guide and her husband. Then two more shopkeepers. Nine new cases after just a few minutes of souvenir shopping. And latest estimates. So, <clears throat> I don't know if you, catch, if you caught it, it went really fast. But basically what happened was that two people went to Singapore who were infected by coronavirus. They stopped at where? At a gift shop. A tour guide took them to a gift shop and talking with them for maybe just a few minutes. The salesperson, tour guide, 
and their family members, including a little baby, six-month-old baby, they all got infected. Cleaner got infected. And just spending a few minutes, maybe 15, 20 minutes at the gift shop, nine people got infected. And that's how it spread so quickly, so fast. That's how it happened. I'm not making any judgments here, but what I'm trying to focus here is if the virus can spread with that speed, if, if we can do that spiritually, what would happen? If somebody who is, if I may use this term, infected with the gospel, if the person can spend a few minutes talking to someone, if the other person can get infected with that gospel, and that person spreading to the, the spouse, to children, and to the salesperson in the store, or it spreads that way that fast, what would happen to this world? That's exactly what happened to Acts, uh, Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit came, when everyone came to Jerusalem at that time from all different countries, they all came. And they listened to the sermon that Peter and the disciples preached when they spoke in tongues. And when they went back to their own home countries, their hometowns, what did they do? They talked about what they heard, what they witnessed. And that's how the gospel spread. And that gives us a good picture of how God's gospel can spread if we are gospel-infected. Are we gospel-infected? Do we have that kind of power, joy, excitement to share this gospel with others? Or are we just sitting at our places, not doing much? We need the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. There is a second video that I want to share. This is from Yonhap News Agency, uh, Korea Now. I would like to share this and then we'll, we'll continue on talking. Thank you. 
basically this story is talking about how in Korea, South Korea, where um, people thought South Korea is really dangerous because of the number of infected people was very high and it was considered like a travel ban and you shouldn't go there and, and so on. That's true, a lot of people got infected because of many things going on and so on, but how now the story is turning around. There was one disabled man, I don't know if you were able to read the subtitle, but there was one disa uh, there was a disabled person or like handicapped person who was working in front of a, a police station and he um, brought a yellow bag with, uh, it says 11 masks, candy and a letter and dropped it off at the police station and saying that, well, I've been watching the news and um, I wanted to share, I wanted to donate what I have. There is a shortage of, of uh, face masks, uh, N95 masks and so on, that I, well, I have a few that I can spare. I wanted to give it to, or donate to the police officers and um, emergency responders who may be short on this. And that got uh, broadcasted. And from that on, a lot of people have been donating. It's not in large quantity, like, okay, I donate a million dollars, not, not like that. It's, have you seen that? Like maybe 17 or 11 handmade face masks, like one of the old like uh, grandmother who, who handmade face masks and donated a few. Some people donating, like they just come and drop it off in front of the police station or at a station and they like disappear really quickly. They don't want to be shown. They, they don't want to say their names and so on. And that kind of, of um, donating spirit had been, ha it has been spread in Korea, South Korea. And a lot of people are doing a small donation, something really small, but that is affecting the lives of people. That's exactly what's happening. And I want us to learn something from this. So that, well, instead of trying to hoard, instead of trying to be selfish, what if we can give and what if we can share? The love of Christ can spread like gospel-infected people. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to show. Yes, we are scared at this time. Yes, we are afraid of what might happen to me, to my family, to if I'm affected, if I sh give it to someone, like the virus, what's going to happen? Yes, we are going through this difficult time. Yes, however, however, if we search our hearts, if we study the Bible, if we share the gospel, God is going to open up ways so that we can prepare ourselves for what's coming and his soon coming. Friends, what's happening now is nothing compared to what is going to happen in the future. And if we don't prepare ourselves, if we do not spread the gospel now, it's going to be more difficult. So friends, time to come to God, study the word of God, pray to confess our sins, pray for one another, and be ready for the soon coming of the close of probation is now. I pray that you would search your heart and come to God. And I pray that we would be brave, we would have faith. And if you are scared, if you are afraid, John 6, 20, the Bible says, But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. If we are with Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be scared. What we need to be afraid is that, am I not with Jesus? Am I not in one accord with Jesus? 
That's what we need to be scared of. But if you are with Jesus, if Jesus is with us, if we are in one accord, if we are praying, there is nothing to be afraid of. I pray that we would spend this time in search of our heart, in prayer and in study, and making sure that our relationship with Jesus is correct. Let us spend our time in study of the word of God and in prayer. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we are living in this time where uh, your coming is approaching really fast. And Lord, we realize that uh, we need to search our heart. We need to really spend our time in prayer and studying what is going to happen, the prophecies, the word of God, and, be, and preparing ourselves to receive the Holy Spirit. Before you leave the most holy place, before you leave your position as the high priest, we need to repent our sins. So Lord, we pray, please pray. We pray that you please help everyone here in this church and everyone watching live and people who will be watching after. I pray that you please help us Waken our hearts so that we can prepare ourselves for your soon coming, for your Holy Spirit, for the close of probation. And, and to share the gospel as gospel-infected people, Christians, help us to share this gospel with others. Please forgive us. Please prepare us. Please give us your Holy Spirit so we can be ready for your soon coming. Prepare our, your people, Lord. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, please come on up.